ESPN Denver 1600 presents Clark and Company. And we are Bronco Blasting once again here on Clark and Company. He's Mark Knutsch and I'm Michael Clark. Personals and sports memorabilia to museum quality fine art. Go where got all the teams in town, college and pro, tons of the athletes, Denver Broncos in there all the time. Go to the Framer from Metro Denver. The governor and mayor's office go to Frame to Art. They see Brian Hart at Frame to Art at 3065 South Broadway. And I'll tell you what, I know why they go there. My brother created a piece of memorabilia for my milestone birthday this year. And that collage arrived and it had three-dimensional stuff. It had ancient pieces of a Chinese screen that was on our wall growing. That was flaking off. We had to seal it. We had to protect it. And yet we needed a frame that would go with the sepia tones of the ancient stuff in there since mm. I'm ancient. Whoa. And wouldn't detract from the art piece that my brother created, my brother's filmmaker and artist created. Wow. And we are so pleased with what we did at Frame to Art. It's a new year, but still plenty of exciting sports action. The best place to watch it all, Stoney's Bar and Grill, 11th and Lincoln in the heart of downtown, and Stoney's Uptown, 1035 17th Street, just west of Park Avenue. Combined, they have 88 big screen TVs to show you all the action of every game, college and pro. Tons of hoop and hockey, plus the NFL playoffs. Super Bowl's coming up, and pretty soon, Michael, the XFL kicks off. Uh Uh-oh. I know you and I will be cheering for the St. Louis Battlehawks, right? (laughs) Then it's time for spring training and March Madness. Don't miss any of it. Pre-game, post-game, every game is on at Stoney's Bar and Grill and Stoney's Uptown. Check them out. He sacked me. Okay, now we welcome in our buddy from Mile High Report. Follow Matt Ian St. Clair at Mile High Report. Good morning, Ian. Ian will be watching the XFL very closely. Uh, I hope not. Good morning, guys. And <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going to delve into the Yes, XFL you are. You're... Maybe if he hate me, it's playing. Yeah, that's well, right. Michael's got a new guy. He sacked me. Or he sacked me, yeah, so something like that. <laughs> I had a better one last week. I can't remember what it was. But uh, anyway, we've got a new, <laughs> a new offensive coordinator in town, former head coach coach of the New York Giants. And Ian, I reached out to a former guest on this show, Mark Mailer, uh, author of the book Madness, which is uh, chronicles the 10 greatest uh, NCAA basketball finals. Um, and he's been a New York Giant. Uh, he, got, he bought season tickets to junior high, and he's been around the team for 50 years uh, since then. Um, and he, he gave me a scathing report on, on, what, uh, on what Shermer did as head coach. There, I mean, the Giants lost a ton of winnable games in his two years. The play calling, the clock management, the use of personnel questionable. What's really scary, I think, for Bronco fans is Evan Ingram, to- Ingram totally disappeared, totally misused in, in uh, Shermer's offense. And, uh, God, he just got traded. Uh, you know, they just signed, signed Noah Fant, and they were excited about this guy. I mean, this is not good news uh, on the surface of it for the Denver Broncos. I think when you look at Pat Shermer and his time as the New York Giants, it's clear that he's a lot like Wade Phillips, where he's not a head coach. True. And I think when you look at the coordinator aspect of it, I think that's where he's a lot like Wade Phillips in that regard, too, because when you look at his other stops as a quarterback's coach and an offensive coordinator, he's gotten the best out of his players where he was at, and especially in terms of developing young quarterbacks. He was one of the key people to develop Donovan McNabb in his early in his career in Philadelphia when Shermer was with Andy Reid. We can. He was there with Chip Kelly and was a huge part in Nick Foles 
taking that step in 2013. And we can thank Pat Shermer for John Elway throwing that ridiculous amount of money at Case Keenum because Shermer was one of the reasons (laughs) that Case Keenum had such a great year because of the Minneapolis miracle and the touchdowns and interceptions. But also Stephen Diggs and Kyle Rudolph had their best years in the NFL with Pat Shermer. So I think it's more of – He's not a head coach, okay. But Agreed. when he has been, a, when he's been an offensive coordinator, he's been able to get the most out of his players, and the offense has been average to one of the best, to top ten in the National Football League when he's been a coordinator. Yeah, you know, and, and and in fairness, uh, supposedly everybody liked him. All the players liked him. Nice, decent guy, uh, and like you say, certainly a coordinator and not a help uh, head coach. And his young quarterback, which is going to he's going to be facing Drew Lock here. Jones really credited him with uh, helping him through a difficult time replacing Eli Manning. I, I have a question though, and um, be the fifth offensive coordinator for the Broncos in the last five years. And like I tweeted when I heard the news, you had a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback that you didn't play for the first you know, 11 games of the year because largely, well, the injury, but largely because he didn't know the playbook, he didn't trust him to get out there, didn't know the offense yet. So he let him out there. He has a grasp of the offense. He does pretty well. And now you choose to switch gears and give him a whole new offense to learn after five games. I, I just found the timing of this move real strange. I thought under Locke, the offense was making good strides. Uh, Gangrilla was opening up a little bit. I just The timing's strange to me. I, I look at it like I, it, it's clear that there were a butting of heads between Scangarello and Vic Fangio. And there are some reports of Scangarello and the players butting heads, that he wasn't, he wasn't adjusting. He wasn't, he wasn't doing the things that Vic Fangio wanted him to do. He wasn't being aggressive enough. And even with the team winning four out of five games, the offense still actually – took a step back in terms of yards per game. The points per game went up a little bit. But I I think this is more of Vic Fangio wanted his guy. It's clear Rich Scangarello was an Elway guy. Vic Fangio wanted his own guy. He wants someone that is more in tune with what he wants to do. And I, the one air, the one, the one play that really stands out from when Drew Locke took over is that decision to chuck it up and try to get an offensive pass inter- or a defensive pass interference call with Cortland Sutton. Have Drew Locke just throw it up and see what happens. Gangarello didn't want to do it. Vic Fangio overruled him. And I think now that Fangio has his guy, it's going to be more in tune with what he wants. It's going to be a guy that he trusts because clearly there's, there were trust issues, I think, there. And now I, I think with how Shermer has done over the course of his career at developing quarterbacks, I think now this is I, – I, yeah, I understand that Scangarello and, and Locke knew the offense, but – this is also an offense that was used with Donovan McNabb. It was used with Nick Foles. It was used with Daniel Jones. It's a similar offense to what Patrick Mahomes has been running in Kansas City. It's a hybrid of it, whether or not they utilize some of the same screens and and all that with, with motion. We'll see. But I, I, it's just those two things and then performance. When you compare the, the offense in 2019 to 2018 – 
the Broncos offense was worse in 14 of 18 categories. <laughs> so it just... I want to make sure uh, we, we get to Randy Grasha, so we'll, we'll just leave it at this. We'll, we'll get into this in, in further shows more in depth, but if he's going to spread things out, they had better do something about the offensive line uh, because there won't be a lot of guys left to protect uh, the, the young quarterback back there. Thank goodness he's a more mobile quarterback. But we'll get into some of the challenges uh, with the system if you go to a spread. you know. But I, I think it's also a generational thing. Fangio, with another veteran coach who's been around, makes a lot of sense. Personally, Randy Gratishar snubbed again by the NFL, by the, uh, I guess, the uh, the the hype machine that keeps uh, keeps fighting Steelers and Cowboys who are not in the Hall of Fame and putting them in. I, I, I just, the whole point of this blue ribbon NFL centennial, let's add 15 extra members, was to clear the cog of players who got overlooked. Yet somehow there is a guy in Jimbo Colbert who went to two Pro Bowls and played for the Bears. He's in the Hall of Fame. You add another Steeler, another coach of the Steelers, another coach of the Cowboys. When you look at what the original intent of this was, was it really to add more Bears, (laughs) Steelers, Cowboys, and Packers? Good point. And the thing that I just, I cannot get over, and the Broncos, Patrick Smythe, and Andrew Mason tweeted this out. There have been 10 linebackers in NFL history who have 20 or more career interceptions, 10 or more fumble recoveries, and seven or more Pro Bowl selections. Of those 10, eight are on the NFL 100 list. Of those 10, nine were inducted into the Hall of Fame within two years of eligibility. Two effing years within eligibility. The one who isn't, Randy Gratishar, who has waited 32 years. This is egregious. This is a sham. This is a shame. You know, I've been on this bandwagon for a long time with Gratishar. I mean, a lot of people talk about Mecklenburg, and I know you're big on Atwater and guys like that, but Gratishar has been a snub from day one. If he, he's, in my opinion, was a better football player than Jack Hamm and Jack Lambert, and they're both slam dunk Hall of Famers because they played on, on uh, Super Bowl champion teams in Pittsburgh. But I don't know what the, what's going to happen, if it's ever going to happen. Randy's a great guy. If we've all met him. He's a really good guy. Uh, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know how it's going to be, and maybe it's up to the, the presenters who present them to well, step fi- up their in game. In a final uh, few seconds here, if I understand the process correctly, Ian, uh, this has at least boosted uh, Gratishar's visibility after a long, quiet period, and the senior committee could still put him in. Is that correct? I, I, I hope so, but when you look at some of the people who are on that blue ribbon panel, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick was on the Broncos coaching staff in the 70s. He knows how good Randy Gratishar is and still decided to put a guy with two Pro Bowls over a guy in Randy Gratishar. Uh, so I, I get that there's hope, but at this point, I, I wonder if it's if it's fateless, if it's just we're just hoping for, for something that just isn't going to happen. And I know Gratishar himself – is is very hopeful that it's going to happen, and and I hope I really do because he is one of the best yeah. players ever. Yeah, and he, you can throw yeah. in Louis Wright in that category too. Yeah, yeah, so I, I agree I, with I that. Just, All right, we got to run. I, I really hope it happens. For we got to run Mile High Sports. It's going to be a busy, interesting off season. Mile High, excuse me, Mile High Report. Uh, is where you want to find Ian's stuff, and he writes every week for them. And uh, Ian will be following you and Mile High Report through the offseason. We'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ian. Thank you, Ian. Next up, Ram Roundup. Kelly Lyle, Rams are hot. They've won three in a row in basketball. Is uh, Nico Medved developing younger talent? Is there hope now after Carvacho? And what about the collision in state? Two hot teams, Air Force hosting Colorado State in basketball later today. 